Before we get on to the main part of today's podcast, I just want to ask you, have you got your ticket for Make It British Live yet? It's on the 17th and the 18th of March, which is not that long away. And you can find out all about the event at makeitbritishlive.com. And you can also register for a ticket. We'll be announcing the speaker lineup and the agenda for the event very, very soon. So watch this space, or should I say, listen to this space for all the announcements. I hope to see you there. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips for making in the UK. So let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 106 of the Make It British podcast. We are just a few weeks away now from Make It British Live, so we're full steam ahead here at Make It British HQ, and we wanted to introduce you to some of the exhibitors that you will be meeting at Make It British Live, because you are coming, aren't you? I hope you are. If you haven't registered for your ticket, you can go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register. So I hope to see you there. And today you're going to be introduced to one of the exhibitors who has been at our show for the last few years. They're a company called Fairing. They're very unique in what they do. And that is why I love them. It's a chap called Nick Morley who founded Fairing with a lady called Jane Walker, And their aim was to have a business where they could digitally print on wool. Now, you might think there's nothing unusual about that, but actually they're the only company in the UK that do it. And what they can do is really rather unique and special. So I thought I would get Nick on the podcast to explain a little bit more about fairing and how it can help designers or brands that make in the UK and even homeware businesses that make in the UK with their unique style of printing on woolen materials. So here you go, over to Nick. Hello, Nick. Thank you very much for joining me on the Make It British podcast today. Hey, it's very nice to be here. So um, do you want to tell me or tell everyone listening what um, Fairing fairing does, what your business is? Sure. Yeah, we're... um high-end digital printers, by the best way of describing us. Um, we set up, Jane uh, Walker and myself uh, set it up about um, five years ago now, and we set up to print uh, on wool, because that was Jane's particular interest. Uh, we, we wanted to do something really sustainable. That was my particular interest. So we wanted to do it in a really clean and uh, uh, technically advanced way. Um, and we um, set up around this little niche of both printing on knitwear and also printing on um, really heavy woolens, so duffel fabrics and uh, wool meltons and things like this. So, uh, but all orientated around wool, cashmere, kind of animal fibres. So, before you were doing that, was 
was the and was there anyone else already printing on wool? Was that something you invented? I think I think people um, do print on wool. Were printing on wool. Um, it. I think for digital printers, it was something they tended to avoid uh, because it can be quite capricious. Uh, we've certainly found out that it can be quite difficult at times, um, <laughs> uh, quite challenging. Um, but you can get some lovely effects. You can get some lovely results as well. So uh, that kind of um, yeah really motivates us as well when you see something really beautiful being produced and. Um, the, the technology we've got, which is is kind of unique in Northern Europe, um, does do some really tremendous stuff. You know, it's it's uh, you can produce some lovely effects. I'm particularly interested about the fact that you say you can pr- print directly on a garment. So, for people listening, that that is the equivalent of where you'd have a placement print on a t-shirt, for instance. You can do that on jumpers and knitwear. That's right. So we're a bit like um, if you imagine a kind of giant version of a, a T-shirt printer. Uh, that's what our machine looks like. Uh, and the advantage is uh, we use different inks than, than T-shirts and hoodies. Uh, so we keep the hand feel um, rather than the sort of pigment inks you typically use with the T-shirts. You, we print with dyes. So you keep that hand feel of cashmere and merino wool and, and the like. Uh, that's really important, obviously, for high-end and luxury brands. Uh, and then the other thing is that printing with dyes, it means that if the knitwear stretches and you don't get any cracking or gapping, um, you get a ah. uh, the, the print is the same. And if you like, the technology is that the the the, the 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 sweater doesn't move at all during the print process, so it stays completely still, completely stable. Um, so therefore you don't get stretching or distortion of print. Um, That's there's really those two cool. things together, really. It's the, it's the, the really nice hand feel. And it's this fact that the, we can cope with the dimensional instability of knitwear. Are those two things together? I think are the, uh, and we can cope with really thick and difficult surfaces as well, like the wool duffels. Um, that's what really kind of sets our little niche apart. So that would mean, so if you were traditionally, if you wanted to make knitwear and it was had a pattern on the front, you were looking at making quite a large order quantity to make it worth the manufacturer's time in doing so. What you can do is take a plain piece of knitwear and just print one, print one. So yeah. you're cutting down the quantities massively, aren't you? That's right. I think low doing these low minimum orders is one of the, the, the areas that's that's really interesting that you can we can take a stock of a bit like t-shirts i guess you take a stock of of plain sweaters and then we can put multiple different sorts of prints on it different um um different times different uh, different amounts but always a very low amount uh so kind of make in white knit in white print on demand or print in very low minimums uh, i think is one of the really interesting supply models that, that there is out there yeah, yeah, exactly. So what sort of companies are you printing for at the moment? Yeah, we tend to be, uh, historically, when we started, I think we were most interesting to the um, luxury brands who were also manufacturing in the UK because uh, we're just like a little piece of a jigsaw. Obviously, we don't, we're not aiming to replace um, knitting, you know, knitting, still knitting in pattern, knitting in, uh, different coloured yarns is still, you know, it's great and it has definitely has its place. And we we are uh, 
uh, have our own little niche. But we're mm. working for people like um, John Smedley were really helpful to us when we started off. Brilliant. Um, in some of their uh, designer collaborations that they were doing um, around London Fashion Week and uh, looking at more perhaps contemporary designs um, that, that, that we can do. So, for example, um, digital printing is very good for things like tonal designs, uh, where you want to fade patterns in and out. Um, all those sorts of things. So I think um, they were really interested in what we, what we could do and how we could complement uh, their fantastic uh, knitting setup that they've yeah. got up, uh, up in Derbyshire. So from a sustainability perspective, how does wool stand compared to other fibres that people might use? Yeah, that's a really good good question, Kate. Uh, you know, we set up to, to, to focus on wool, although we do let's say probably a lot of cashmere as well uh, and some cotton but um wool has been our focus and so we're really interested in in the um sustainability credentials of it um and like any fiber like all fibers have pros and cons uh there's no there's no perfect fiber um on the good side wool it's um biodegradable and renewable Mm. Uh, it's really good for long-lived items and we know that the, the longer you can make a garment last then from a sustainability point of view the better it's going to be and it's one of the big things you can do either keeping it yourself and wearing it a lot of times or cascading it through resale and um, uh, charity shops or through you know some of the online um, resale um, uh, portals that have, that have set yeah. up um, so yeah being long-lived um, being natural biodegradable renewable um, the microfiber debate is is still the evidence is still coming up but the evidence seems to say wool performs really well on that much better than, than synthetics um, but on the other hand you'd never use wool so that's all the good stuff um, on the bad side you know to grow wool takes a lot more um, uh, has a lot have a higher kind of climate change impact than some other fibres. Uh, so if you're going to grow it uh, on the sheep, then you need to take care of it. You need to use it well. You need to make it last a long time. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the key. I should say there are all sorts of technicalities about what the real impact of wool is, um, which depend on how you allocate the impact between fibre production and meat production, um, what kind of ground does the sheep occupy, Do can you grow cereals and crops on that ground or is it good for nothing else but growing sheep. Um, so there are all sorts of technicalities and niceties about doing the sums. Um, but uh, I think I've given you a, a pretty good sketch, hopefully, about yeah. where, how you can, uh, you know, where best wool is best used. I suppose what you're saying is, if you are going to buy any item, and I certainly think, then buy something that lasts a long time because every item of clothing creates some sort of environmental impact. So the longer you can wear it, the better. So if that is something like a wool sweater, I mean, I've got wool sweaters, some that I bought from John Smedley, actually, that I've had for 15, 20 years, and they last a long time, a lot longer than synthetic fibres, don't they? Yeah, I think that the... Um this whole sustainability debate around fibres and and um, 
and, and clothing. I think you can condense it down to two things you can do to improve. One of those is make your clothing last as long as possible. Mm. Choose um, materials and fibres that will, will last a long time and make the clothing last a long time. And the other thing, which is something in our control here, is um, run the supply chain on renewable energy. And I think you put those two things together. If you can run the whole supply chain uh, on, you know, imagine theoretically that you could run the whole of your supply chain from fibre production to uh, through spinning and knitting and and then printing and everything on renewable energy, and you make these clothing clothing last a long time. And the figures that that um, some of the researchers have calculated for the the improvement in say climate change impact. Is of the order of 50, 60, 70 percent, maybe even I think one calculation is 80 percent. So you can make it really those two things together. I think are, are probably the two um, best things you can do, certainly from a climate change point of view, uh, in terms of, of, of um, improving the impact of clothing. So something like the printing process that you're doing, how much energy does it use? So describe to people what the machine is that you print on. Are we talking about a huge machine that fills a room like some of those digital printers I've seen that print on fabric? Or is it a much smaller setup? Yeah, it's probably about the size of a kind of king size bed is probably the best, okay. best way to describe it. Um, so it's nice and big. It's a couple of metres long, a couple of metres wide and we can lay either lengths of fabric or we can lay, lay a really big spread out sweater um, coat, something like that, uh, on, the, um, on the print bed. Uh, and then we have a load of pre-processing and post-processing equipment. Uh, you've got to pre-treat it beforehand. People think we're just printing, you just lay it down and print it. Um, but in our process, We've got to pre-treat it um, because there are various chemicals that you have to add that you can't squeeze through the tiny little droplet holes that, that, that the digital printer has. Right, uh, okay. Them up. So you've got to add them separately. Uh, and then afterwards, we've got to uh, steam the dyes to fix them so they're chemically bonded onto the, onto the material and then wash it out any excess. So there's all those processes. Um, but it does mean because we're steaming it and, and chemically reacting it, it's lovely and wash fast. Uh, so, you know, when you go out in the rain um, or put it in the wash, you shouldn't get any problems with it. Ah, OK. Yeah, because I could imagine wool as a, as a material is naturally quite kind of greasy almost, isn't it? It's got natural oils in it. It's not necessarily a yes. dry material. So you have to pre-treat it before you we can print it. Yeah, when it comes to us, we have to take out any, uh, sometimes it's coming, particularly if it comes as a finished garment. And I say we mm. can either print it as a finished garment, uh, a semi-finished, as an opened, um, so the knitwear people amongst our listeners, you know, the, the opened garment before it's linked, um, we, can, we can print on that, or we can actually do panels or pieces. Um, but if it comes to others as the finished garment, we've actually got to wash out some of that softener and the nice things have gone in um, because we don't want any, when we print on it, we want it to be as, as um, on, uh, we would say uncontaminated, but, but, but have as few uh, chemicals or finishers or lubricants or grease or whatever on it as possible mm. so that our dyes will take really nicely. So from a logistics perspective, You've just mentioned there about printing on panels before they're, before they're joined together. So you're based in Leicester, aren't you, which is really the 
one of the two kind of, if you include Scotland, you've also got Leicester as the two main places in the UK where knitwear is currently made. So does that mean a panel would leave the factory, come to you, be printed and go back to the factory to be finished again or connected together, which you couldn't do if you were based in China, could you? Uh, yeah, it's one of the things that, that we do do. We, don't, we, we work in, in a whole range of ways. Some manufacturers want to send us the finished garment, so they, they, don't, they want to finish all their processors, and then they'll just want to wash it and send it to us. Um, some people work with the semi-finished, so maybe without the trims on, um, just because it's kind of convenient for them. Um, and if we were in, for example, in Italy, um, which is probably where our nearest competitor is, uh, they work a lot with the, the unlinked garment. We tend to work more with the finished garment. And um, it comes okay. down to preferences often of designers and, and, the, uh, and of the factories. Um, but we can play it both ways, depending on the design and depending on the preferences of the, the brand and the, and of the factory. Okay, so you could actually be, be printing on garments that have been made overseas, but they can have your process done in the UK. Yeah, that's right. And it's one of the things we've done is that um, particularly with uh, with Kashmir, we've worked with both um, manufacturers in the UK and also with brands who've imported in white uh, from from abroad, um, from places like Mongolia, and then we've printed on that. Um, obviously, we you know we will work with the brand in whichever way they have and whatever price point that they are they are working to. Hmm. So is this an expensive process then? Because there's obviously a lot of steps involved. Is it only worth doing on a high-end garment, such as something made from cashmere, or could you do it on something that was more high volume and lower priced? Uh, I think they, we tend to work at the higher end. Yeah. Um, where we've worked, I think, more in the, say, the middle market, and this is for things like cashmere sweaters, uh, is we've done some really interesting work on, for example, um, slow-moving stock, where you oh. could perhaps reinvent. Uh, what a great idea. Where you might have a, a be thinking of writing off or selling at a very great discount, um, mm. dead stock or slow-moving stock. Uh, but with a bit of creativity, you can kind of reinvent that with a yeah. nice print, maybe an on-trend print. Or a and, Christmas jumper. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 okay, you pay more for for the print, but also you're increasing your margin, you're getting mm. a higher price for the, for the final product. So I think there's some interesting little um, approaches where you think, well, actually, are we too expensive? But maybe if the stock is not valued very highly, there can still be room to uh, do what we do and for the brand to make a, a, a greater margin. And also it means that you haven't got the waste of throwing away those garments exactly. that, that yeah, don't sell. We'd love to be more involved in that kind of um, offering the solutions that we've got to 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 brands because yeah, burning or throwing away um, when we feel we could do something quite creative with that um, yeah, just just needs a bit of will really. I can understand why why brands you know want to dispose. It's an easy thing to do. Just either. Um, disposable or sell it to one of these specialist um, dis disposable companies who will sell it off in a market, you know, where you're not active. Um, mm. But all the same, it seems such a great shame and, um, you know, a waste of resources, really. Yeah, it's really interesting because there are quite a few companies that are springing up now who are taking, for instance, vintage clothing and upcycling them. 
So there's a whole potential here to use your process to upcycle old vintage garments as well, isn't there? Could be. Yeah, it could mm. be. We could look at, uh, we have done some one-offs for people, mainly for fashion shows and 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 kind of where people are trying to make a statement piece. Um, but there's no reason why we couldn't try and scale that a bit more. And scaling in our point of view is, is not is not fantastic scale. You know, we're talking tens into low hundreds perhaps, but um you know, we can certainly do um, what we've previously done just in ones and twos. Yeah. Uh, but it's, um, I do see, observe, you know, there's a lot more talking now about dead stock, uh, a lot more awareness, uh, perhaps of questions of people asking, well, what happens to all of this stuff that if it doesn't sell, uh, is it simply discounted until it's sold? Um, if not that, then you know, what else happens to it? Where does it go? Mm. Um, and um, is it used in a responsible kind of way so i'm you know and uh, it seems to me a great shame that if if um yeah if, if clothing is basically not quite dumped on people but but sold at these really heavy discounts it probably implies that people are not valuing that clothing very highly when they buy yeah. it and that yeah. seems a great shame mm-hmm. so how did you get into all of this nick because you say at the beginning you didn't come at it from a textile background so tell us a little bit more about exactly how faring you know how how did it start yeah so um it was really jane myself and jane walker so jane um is the designer screen printer maker she wanted to to find the best way the best machine really for digitally printing on wool having had a lot of experience of screen printing on wool uh and i was coming from the much more of a sustainability perspective um interested in wool from that point of view and uh, much more of a technical point of view and wanting to do something that's technically advanced, quite innovative for the, for the UK market, um, to do something a little bit different uh, and involving kind of wool and um, all of these ideas around upcycling and um, making using this kind of advanced processing to, to um, make the whole clothing um, industry you know, more, um, more efficient uh, and more more sustainable. And obviously, we're only a tiny little piece of a jigsaw, but we just mm. felt, well, there's a little little piece of a jigsaw we could be here, uh, which would be, um, you know, economically viable and um, would be hopefully beneficial to UK brands, UK manufacturers, uh, when they had a, a particular need. So what were you doing before? Were you something on the technical side? Yeah, and no, I was working as a researcher uh, in, ah. in, sustainability, in, in sustainability across a whole range of areas, um, but also in, in textiles and clothing. That was one of my main areas mm. with a lot of an emphasis on clothing reuse and clothing recycling. So I've been working with um, quite a few of the textile recycling companies uh, for quite a long time. And so that was, yeah, my kind of background was interested in, moving more into the supply chain where I'd done some previous um, research work and say, well, you know, what, what could we offer here that would be valuable and of use and um, would also improve the, um, just in a small way, you know, we're, we're a very small company. Uh, we've got a very small niche, but just in a small way, we can improve the sustainability of the UK clothing industry, mm. give, give it some options that maybe other countries don't, don't have. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> so are you working, you've mentioned the knitwear industry quite a bit and particularly fashion items, but are you working with, for instance, any of our fantastic wool weavers in the UK? 
Um, and are you working with any homeware manufacturers as well? Because I can see how this would work very well, not just on fashion products, but also on house house products like your furniture. Yeah, yeah we we well, we started off with that in mind, and um, and then we got kind of distracted into into clothing <laughs> and fashion, and we've been working there, and now we're sort of coming back uh, after uh, two or three years um, into things like uh, blankets and throws. Uh, cushion covers, these sorts of mm. probably those are the most relevant interior items. Uh, and uh, yeah, and, and and what's really interesting is that there there is much more of an ability to link into British wool uh, into some of the finer grades, some of the say um, blue face Leicester yarns and things like this are uh, going into things like blankets and throws. Uh, whereas previously we've been working mainly with merino um, in the in the fashion area. Uh, but uh, but obviously but, but but not working with um, with British wool to any great extent. So now there's a, the additional. We're still working with with some of these throws and everything with merino, but there's also the opportunity to work with some of the British wools as well. So that's really nice. And yeah. uh, we're just developing a really nice project at the moment, which has got provenance all the way through from the um, so we've from the, the, the brand that's selling it, and that goes all the way back to the farm. So we've got. Um, a uh, really nice kind of making story. It's beautifully woven uh, material. Uh, it's uh, from a from a lowland uh, a borders weaver, and um, yeah, we're really excited about the the potential for doing those those sorts of projects. Mm. And there's no one else that does anything like this in the UK at all at the moment, which is brilliant. Uh, um, I think there are well, there are people. Obviously, there are quite a number of digital printers and doing very nice yeah. work. Tending to be roll-to-roll printers, yeah. Um, so printing rolls of fabric, uh, and um, yeah, and, 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 and lots of them do a really, really good job. So um, we often, sometimes, we're recommending them to, to people who come to us because uh, they can do things that we can't. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not. But our particular little niche, I'm not aware of anyone else in the UK doing it, unless they're doing it with with. Um, if you like, in the, the, the T-shirt printing area, where they tend to work with a different t- set of inks, which um, are not so good for the kind of knitwear area, or yeah. for um, the high-end uh, woven wools that, that go into outerwear and and uh, and the like. So the inks that you use, how what's the sustainability credentials of those? Because that is something that people ask me a lot. Yeah, I mean they are. Um, very well-known inks. They're called they're called reactive inks because they react with the um, with the fibre, so they chemically bond with the fibre. They've been around a long time. Um, so the particular set that we use are compliant with the various kind of um, restricted substances lists, and also the um, they'll meet the requirements of the various eco labels um, like Ecotex or um, uh, the EU eco label. Uh, got the organic standard um so we don't have those standards ourselves i should say as a, as a factory but the inks we use are compliant with those standards um on the, on the particular things because that does seem to be the thing that everyone is asking at the moment is what yeah, sort of compliance too, i think yeah, yeah. i mean we'd, we'd recommend that we really would welcome um people inquiring about and asking us hard questions about about you know what, what we do and um you know, and, and the top zincs we use and how much energy we use, uh, because I think that's got to be um, 
well, it's been shown that that is the responsible way forward. And, mm. and uh, there's so much improvement you can get in your supply chain uh, potentially um, by you know by insisting on high standards in those areas. Mm. Brilliant. So people can come and meet you at Make It British Live, can't they, Nick? Lovely, on the yeah, we'd love to, 17th love to have a chat. Tomorrow. Brilliant. They can come there. What are you going to be showing at the show? Will you be showing some of the knitwear that you've printed on? Yeah, we've uh, one of the things we've been doing is we've uh, ourselves just launched our own brand. A little, we've got our own uh, little e-commerce um, brand, uh, and we'll be showing. So we've been developing our own designs, not just ah. for people's. So we've got a few uh, kind of just under wraps. We're just starting to put them on Instagram at the moment. Just one or two uh, coming from our own in-house designer. And uh, yeah, which we're really excited about. We think they're, we think they're great, of course. So we welcome other people's views on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully interesting things to talk around. Brilliant. So where can people find you? What is the name of that Instagram account? Okay, so the, it's called, uh, the, the brand is called Well Begun. Uh, all one word. So wellbegun.net will find the, uh, the web shop. Uh, fairing, of course, is us. Fairing.co.uk will find us. Um, and, we should uh, point well out done, that. Sorry. Uh, I say, well begun designs will find us on Instagram. And we should point out to people that fairing is spelled F-A-E-R-I-N-G. Yes, that's right. Yes, a slightly yeah. Nordic uh, kind of take on that. Yes. Ah, is that where it comes from? Brilliant. Nick, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you very much for talking to me today. Okay, I'm really looking so forward to seeing Well Begun. I'm going to go straight onto Instagram now and have a look. Lovely. Uh, and thanks for inviting me and looking forward to seeing you at Make It British. Seeing you at the show. Really appreciate what you do and uh, looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. If you're interested in finding UK fashion, textile and homeware manufacturers, then you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live, on the 17th and 18th of March 2020. There'll be some of the best UK factories there for you to meet, as well as a series of inspiring talks, just like the ones that you listen to on this podcast. It's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. To register to attend, just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register. Or if you want to find out about exhibiting at the show, visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit or drop me an email to kate at makeitbritish.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. I hope to see you there. Bye bye.